and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. Every week, we bring you interviews of makers of all kinds from all over the world that either identify as female or non-binary. Today's guest is Rosie of the Polia Cooperative in Mexico. Rosie and Aniki work together as Polia Cooperative, an artisanal carpentry business in Mexico. They have found in carpentry a trade traditionally viewed as a male practice that as queer women, their access to the profession is limited. They have also faced things like sexualization, harassment, and being treated as less capable, restricted to a secondary status. Through their experiences of trying to learn while being treated as outsiders, they decided they wanted to build a collaborative learning space in which women and members of the queer community feel safe and can create a kinder working environment of equity between all participants. It was great getting to chat with Rosie. Aniki wasn't available uh, during our interview, but chatting with Rosie and understanding her journey and then the journey as a cooperative as a whole uh, was just a great opportunity. Before we hop into the interview, though, with Rosie, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Candice at CJ Woodgrain, Lee Runyon at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Tool Mom, Bonnie Tool Mom Store.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Lee the Rainbow Carver, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support uh, helping to produce the podcast every week. If you are enjoying the podcast and would like to help support as well, please hang around to the end of the episode and I will tell you how. For now, let's head on into the conversation with Rosie of Polia Collaborative. Um, I like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me? Yeah. Okay. So my name is Rosie, um, Rosie Martin. And I am one half of Polilla Cooperativa. Uh, the other half is Aniki, who couldn't uh, be part of the podcast today, but um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and I also like to ask, um, what are your pronouns? Uh, my pronouns are she, they. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm going to... And, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. So you you clearly speak Spanish well, but you do not have a Spanish accent. So are you from <laughs> there? Um. I am British, born, mm-hmm. born, born and raised British from the UK. Uh, I moved to Mexico about 10 years ago. Okay. Um, and previously to living in Mexico, I lived in Spain ah. uh, for about six years. Okay. So, yeah, I spent most of my adult life speaking Spanish, uh, but I am British. Okay. <laughs> I was assuming, but, you know, um, that it was something like that. Yeah. What, um, what brought you personally to Mexico? To Mexico, 
Uh, it was a carpentry project. Okay. Really, um, what 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 brought me to Oaxaca in the beginning? Um, at that point, I'd just done a carpentry, like a woodworking course in mm -hmm. Spain, where I was living at the time, and I met. A woman who had a friend in Oaxaca and she was like well so my friend's got this woodworking project and it's a carpentry school um, that works with um, kids from indigenous communities and honestly at the time it was just like I traveled a lot and and that kind of thing so it was just like a kind of a good excuse to travel and have mm -hmm. something to to like a uh, a goal like when yeah. I arrived yeah. you know, yeah. something to get to know so I kind of came originally to get to know that project ended up working in the project for about a year um, and then just rolled with the times and, <laughs> and I've been in Oaxaca since. Is that did is, did that school become the current place? No that that project uh, eventually it closed mm. um, and it had been going for a couple of years before I arrived and then kind of closed when, when I, well, just before I left. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not going, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the, what's the, and I'm, can you pronounce it again? Polia? Polia? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Polia, yeah. Polia, okay. Um, because I don't want to mess it up. So what's the backstory behind Polilla? Polilla, okay. So Polilla Cooperativa, I'm going to get confused now with the, some Spanglish, but um, Polilla Cooperativa started just over a year ago, officially, um, through working with Aniki. So I met Aniki, again, like maybe three or, I'd say about three years ago. Okay. And when we met, um, they asked if if uh, I could give them woodworking classes. You know, they, they heard about me mm -hmm. doing woodwork and they were like, oh, that's so cool. And they thought that's something I wanted to do uh, for a while. And so she, at some point they, they asked if, um, if they could, if I could show them mm -hmm. um, woodworking and so that was maybe two and a half years ago. And so they, they would just come to the workshop occasionally and help out and I would show them like little things. And we were kind of working together very informally for about a year and a half. Okay. Um, I think, you know, the first project they did was they built like a, a dog house for their dog kind of thing. Like it was all very informal. Mm -hmm. And after a while it was, um, they started to help me out with like small jobs in the workshop I was like okay so maybe you could help me with this specific job and stuff like that and then at one point it was like okay well how can we kind of formalize a bit more the relationship and work out a way um, that we can work together but it's not necessarily this like kind of hierarchy of I'm the boss and you're yeah, yeah. The, the helper kind of thing like I think both of us are very interested in trying to work in a kind of more level level rounded environment you know um so you know there is there is a part where i am the person with more experience mm -hmm. um but there's so much that aniki has brought to the workshop since um so, you know since being part of the workshop that mm -hmm. you know we've achieved so much that i wouldn't have been able to do alone 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it just feels right being on like more of these kind of level grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you guys doing like projects for clients? Are you teaching? Are you doing like kind of all of that? <laughs> okay, so there's a lot of things that we're doing and there's a lot of things that we want to do. So okay. part of the vision of the cooperative is to give workshops mm-hmm. um, to uh, the women and the queer community in Oaxaca. Um, that's definitely one of the objectives of the workshop. And we started a, a fundraiser to help us with that uh, last year. Um, but at the same time, we are just building our workshop. So I think a year ago, like I moved ahead of ahead. I was living in a house and it was basically just one bedroom of the house where I would do the jobs and it was, mm-hmm. it, was, it, was it was becoming um, too small. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the Nikki, when we started the cooperative, let's say, let's find a slightly bigger space. Mm-hmm. Um, so we built a roof and, you know, we put up roofing, built right. walls, we've been building workbenches and, and all of these things. Um, what else do we do? We do take on jobs at the same time. So we work, mo- yeah, most of our work is commission based. Mm-hmm. Um, probably like 95% of our work is commission based. Um, so we're kind of juggling a lot of balls at once, yeah. you know, like yeah. building the workshop, trying to set it up, uh, doing commissions, trying to offer like a reasonably good service to the customers. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we do have this vision of wanting to give workshops. Yeah. We haven't quite got there yet. Like mm-hmm. the workshop, it is, it is in process. Um, and we did, we started, like I said, we started a fundraiser about a year ago. Um, and part of the fundraiser was, uh, directed towards the workshop and being able to build all the stuff that we've built in the past year. And the other part of the fundraiser, um, the, the objective was to give workshops, but we've kind of got stuck in the middle because uh, the fundraiser, well, you know, it's a lot of work yeah. doing a fundraiser yeah. oh, well, yeah. you know, <laughs> of the many balls we've been juggling, fund, the fundraiser was another one of them. Um, so it's a little bit stuck, but we're kind of looking into different things at this point. We're looking into grants, um, yeah, we're looking into grants to hopefully be able to get the funds to buy tools to give workshops. Okay. And the next. Is that, is the fundraiser still like out there, like in your link in your bio and all that? Yeah. Stuff? Okay. The fundraiser is still active. It's still out there. We are not as active at the minute on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like I say, it's another one of the many balls yep. we're juggling and it just kind of often gets um, left behind. Mm-hmm. But the fundraiser is still out there. Um, we're still working really hard to build up the workshop and, and offer workshops in the hopefully well, near I'll include I'll definitely make sure to include the link to the specifically to the fundraiser for the show notes um, for the episode. Yeah. Um, how did you get into like woodworking and carpentry? Uh, how did I get into woodworking and carpentry? So it started a long time ago. <laughs> um, I think 
I've always been more of a manual person. Like when I was in school, I wasn't, I didn't study very much and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, books and the, the academic side of life was never, definitely not my thing. Um, so I remember when I left school, I was like, I, I don't really want to, I don't want to go back into school until I know what my thing is. Yeah. Like what I'm good at. Um, and at one point I started traveling and as I was traveling, I just started doing like, you know, I traveled with like a, um, a carving knife. So I just started doing like little bits of sculpture and I was working on avocado seeds and just like really simple stuff. Yeah. Um, and just that that contact with the material, with the avocado seeds or just like little little bits of wood. It just, it, mm-hmm. it, it really caught my attention. I was like, okay, I like this. Um, and then a bit later on, I started living in a farm, kind of like a community farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were little building projects on the farm, like there was a treehouse build. Mm-hmm. Um, there was what do you call them? Um, I can't. My my English is a bit rusty. It's like, <laughs> the, like the houses that they make out of hay. Oh, um, um, like eco construction. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, I can't think um, of I can't think of the name for it right now either. But I know yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was it was there getting getting involved in like little projects like that, and at one point I was like, you know what, maybe one day I'd like to be able to build my own house. <laughs> and then when I had that thought, it was like, okay, well if I can, maybe if I could learn how to build a table, mm-hmm. I could learn how to build a house. <laughs> and so that was like the the kind of spark that set me up to um, look for woodworking schools, uh, and I ended up in a woodworking school in in the north of Spain, in Asturias. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming you learned how to build the table. Um. Yeah. And how to build the table. Still working on how to build a house, but... <laughs> um, well, you're probably getting some practice with that, just with building out the shop, because I have seen the little bit that you guys have posted on Instagram, like mm-hmm. some of the projects you've been doing, like There's a lot of work going into that. (laughs) Today's episode is sponsored by Athena Outfitters. Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women that sells everything badass beauties need to get the job done from work boots to basics. They curate the toughest essentials made to help you perform every piece is handpicked to seamlessly slide right into your daily lifestyle from rugged and roguish weekday wear to effortless weekend flair. You can fill your closet with gear that can do it all. So for Christmas, I ordered my wife like a very nice pair of slippers from Athena Outfitters and she loves them. Loves them so much that she has accidentally gone to the gym and the grocery store in them because they seem to never leave her feet. So definitely a place to go check out, go get the goods that help you not only out in the shop, but just in your daily uh, work around the house and outdoors. As a listener of the podcast, you can go to Athena Outfitters website and use coupon code MM, as in M&Ms, 15 for 15% off any purchase. So again, you go to athenaoutfitters.com and use the code MM15 and get 15% off of your purchase at checkout. It has been, it's been a learning curve, like definitely, like neither me or Nikki have any experience with the, <laughs> the building stuff we've done. So it's just kind of like, 
really been like working out, okay, how do we do this? Is it going to be safe? Uh, we had a, a couple of um, earthquakes mm -hmm. in the past couple of weeks in Oaxaca and the roof is still 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 strong so it's like okay yeah good job yeah <laughs> we're doing something right yeah. <laughs> um so i know like again because i've followed you guys on instagram you know and i've seen some of your posts about wanting to do the workshops and you know the reason kind of for setting up that space mm -hmm. is the, that brings up kind of two questions for me. If 95% of what you do is like commission, commission projects, I'm curious for the region you're in, is it, do you receive any kind of like, huh, like when it's you two showing up to do the work? Um, is there a little bit of uh I don't know, a cultural barrier, I guess, uh, there. I mean, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think, I've, you know, I think, I think there's a certain barrier that you're going to find in most parts that's here. Mm -hmm. but honestly, like we are very supported by our community. So most of the commissions that we receive, I'm here, I'm going to say 99.9% .9 of the commissions we receive <laughs> are from women or people of the queer or sexo here they here here we call it sexo disidente okay um, part of that community so again like you, you still like even you know even with women you'll get women going oh really so you're a carpenter and like you know that, right, that right. Kind of surprise but then to them that's something that's like a really cool and they're like yes. so so we yeah. get a lot of work through that of saying how you know that's that's really great there's mm -hmm. women carpenters and a lot of <clears throat> the women that we've worked with have said that they would much prefer uh, a, a female or queer person going mm -hmm. to their house um then feel safer about it yeah. um yeah i feel kind of more secure about it so. yeah I feel like that's like actually very similar like in the states i've heard that um for people like I don't live in a big enough city that has the, like the app TaskRabbit, but that's like, you know, the app for like to find a handy person to come do stuff at your home. Mm -hmm. And I've heard a lot that um, if you're a woman using that app to find work, like you get booked a lot because other women um, feel more secure mm -hmm. and safe inviting like a strange woman into their place to yeah. do work versus a strange man into their place to do work. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's great that the community um, is supportive. Is that like, besides what you guys are trying to do for workshops, are there other like woodworking workshops in the area that people are just not feeling safe to go into? Mm. In what sense? Well, like, because like, you guys are aimed at serving kind of the like women and, and queer mm -hmm. community. So is there, are there workshops out there woodwork or woodworking classes out there currently in your area that that group of people, women and, and people from the queer community don't feel safe going into? Um. 
don't know. I, I, that's a hard question for me to ask. The ask to answer. The answer yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to answer on like a, a from what I can perceive. Yeah. Yeah. From where I stand in as part of this community. Um, for me, I wouldn't say it's so much a question of safety, uh, but there's definitely a lot of, um, you know, like as a woman going to a workshop, even me, like some, so in, in our workshop, yeah. it's still very small. The the tools that we, we, we bought new machinery because of yeah. the, the fundraiser, but they're still very small. So occasionally we go to other workshops and we ask for, what do you call it in English for them to like join pieces on their joiner? Oh, the joiner. Like, yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Do you like, cause they have like bigger machinery. Yep. So sometimes yep. we'll take it. And you know, I go there, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what right. I'm asking for. And I'll approach them and I say, I need this and I need this and I need this. And there's, and I don't know how to express it. It's just the way that they minimize mm. the knowledge that you have. And so I feel like so many, um, women here or queer people will want to approach a workshop having an idea more or less of what they want and then they'll get there and the guy will just be like no you don't want that right, <laughs> you don't right. want that you want this uh, you know so it's just like th this kind of minimization mm -hmm. so in that sense they, like there's a lack of se security in um, yeah. knowing what you want and, and knowing how to achieve it for sure um, I don't know if I could say like people feeling unsafe about going to a workshop. Right. right. But no, I think I, I under, I completely understand. I would say again, pretty similar experience here of um, mm. maybe not necessarily. Well, yeah, it would be going into workshops. Um, if there's men in the space, they tend to, like I would say like in, in um, maker spaces here, which are like kind of, you know, cooperative shop spaces. Like if, you, if I walk in there and I'm using tools that I know how to use, I've used for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, if the shop is filled with men, they're more likely to come up and try to correct what uh -huh. I am doing where I don't need correction. Like I am perfectly capable. <laughs> to do what I need to do in that space um and then the same of like if we're going to like a hardware store or a lumber store um where the first question where it's not like well how can we help you and then you say and then they're like well wait what are you working on as if they need to correct what we're asking for <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. it's just like this constant seed of yeah. doubt yes they're capable of doing what yeah. what we're there to do kind of thing yeah yeah um so i mean i i totally understand that um i i mean i feel it's the same here you know that's why there are places here that are like all female um or um like gender non-binary like uh -huh. spaces you know, more of those spaces are popping up um, yeah. in the U.S. for that reason. Like, it's like we need to create, and I would say it's still kind of safe space in the sense of like safety of like trusting yourself because you also, like it's dangerous if somebody starts to doubt you and you allow that 
to mm-hmm. make you doubt yourself. Like absolutely, yeah. if you start doubting yourself and and how to use the tool, that can be dangerous. Like, yeah. Um, so I would say I would still call it like a safe space in that. In that absolutely, way. that's yeah. like I mean, for I think for us, for me and Aniki, that's part of what Polya Cooperative has mm-hmm. been about is what is creating that safe space um, that we can learn in and work together in. And it, it and it is very much about this kind of experimenting mm-hmm. with, with each other and the knowledge that we have and the things that yeah. we can share and being allowed to do that and being allowed to make mistakes and you know and whatever it just yeah just very much like this space of of of, of experimenting because I mean mm-hmm. for me it's very new um, being a, a teacher in that mm-hmm. way in that consistent way. Because, um, you know, I've given small workshops here and there, but like having like, yeah, kind yep. of <laughs> long term is a very different right. experience. Um, and Aniki, one of their um, major issues of like wanting to learn about carpentry and woodwork and having worked in a couple of mm-hmm. workshops here and there in, in different parts of Mexico was very much that feeling of just not, of, of being doubted all the time. And not being able to just feel comfortable and yeah. in the space exactly. that we're working in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Polia for us is very much about just like having this safe space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've ended up with something similar. I have, um, I started just like a club, a, you know, a once a month club uh, for woodworking. Um, I initially put the, re- like, put it out into my local area just to see if there was other like female or members of the queer community who like do woodworking and would like to like meet up and you know geek out about tools because that's really what I want to be able to do (laughs) it's just Mm -hmm. like you know kind of have that creative spark of like bouncing ideas off each other stuff like that and really what I got in response was an overwhelming amount of women and members of the queer community that want to learn how to woodwork that like mm-hmm. they don't know how but they want to learn and so it went from a group of I, of peers to teacher um is where my role went to <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know and at first I was a little bit kind of like oh man I just wanted something like to be able to just like go and hang out and not have to be like responsible (laughs) but um it's actually been immensely like it's been lovely you know Mm -hmm. teaching the this group of people to like use tools um and watch them go from like extremely like timid and nervous when they're touching the tool for the first time you know with my guidance to you know by the end of our two-hour meeting they're like oh we just we feel badass and that's uh-huh. just like you know i think it's something to witness that like it's i feel honored to be able to be the person who just gets to watch that happen for mm-hmm. them um and it watch them leave feeling so confident yeah. yeah i get that i get that feeling i've given i've given a couple of workshops like well through the pandemic i've given mm-hmm. a few online workshops which has been kind of <laughs> yeah the <laughs> experience of like okay how do i how how do how do we make this happen yeah um and then last year towards the end of last year i was asked to give a weekly workshop 
so kind of outside of Polia, I am giving uh, a weekly workshop and and it's just it's such a nice experience and feeling to be able to kind of share that stuff with this group of women and they're just like you you know like getting the kind of comments like you know I've been in other workshops or I've been in other spaces or I asked my husband to show me how to use the saw and I just felt really stupid and clumsy yeah you know and being able to offer a space where you can be stupid and clumsy and it's okay right we'll work through that right <laughs> You know, like we're, yeah, all, it, no, we're all clumsy sometimes. sometimes well, we there's off. just a difference, I think, in the, there's a difference in the approach. And I, and I want to mm -hmm. say, like, I do want to give credit. Like I've had, I mean, I went through woodworking classes and I, everyone was a male teacher except for one. Mm -hmm. And they were lovely. Like, you know, there's still one that I keep in close contact with, um, I will forever. Like he's one of my favorite people. Um, but I think it was like his demeanor in how he approached like teaching tools specifically. Whereas like I've seen other men who are extremely lovely individuals, just I feel like they approach it in a manner that puts them in they're seen as in power versus like I'm sharing this information with you and it's a safety thing. It's not about like, I know this and you can't know this type of vibe. It's more of a, like, this is how we're going to hold it so that you don't cut your fingers off. This is how like, you know, and I think, I think there's something about that approach. And I've taken that approach when I've been like teaching this group of women, it's just like, okay, we're going to, like, these are the things we have to be careful of so that you don't injure yourself. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's about like showing and then, okay, you're ready to go. Like, I'll help you set your hand placement, but otherwise you're going to do this. Like, cause you have to know you can do this on your own without me doing it for you. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think it's about approach and that power dynamic sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking about like how teaching for me has been a learning curve in that mm -hmm. sense of, um, you know, how I approach things, how I, you know, use a certain tool or mm -hmm. what I take into account for safety measures and learning how to uh, kind of transmit that information yep. and why I'm transmitting that information. And it is like sometimes, you know, some. I have caught myself it's like you just hold it like this because you need to hold it like this right like, okay but why do you need to hold it like that <laughs> <Yeah>, right <laughs> okay there is important information that you need to transmit right. so like right. for me teaching has been a learning a learning curve in that in that way in that sense of like okay not um and i think this happens a lot in in in, in workshops in male environments uh i don't know how to say it in english I, there's an expression in, in Spanish, it's dando las cosas por hechas o por hecho. It's like, um, is, it like is it like taking for granted that someone uh -huh, Yes, taking for granted yeah. the yeah. knowledge that you have or what you've learned. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a very, you know, like young men are just kind of... <laughs> expected to just kind of expected to just be able to do stuff right right and, and I think that's the the approach that many of them can take when they're when they're teaching they'll just kind of expect you to be able to do it and I've caught myself doing the same thing you know mm -hmm. just like 
So I, I will, yeah, I will totally admit, like it was a learning curve for me. And to be honest, it, it didn't start with this group. It started with, you know, I had, I had somebody who wanted to work kind of just as like an apprentice in, in the shop, just to kind of sponge off of my knowledge. And I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they ended up getting injured in my shop, you know, mm-hmm. because I took for granted, you know, I showed them how to use the miter saw, but I didn't, go through all of the things yeah um and they got injured and i mean i i still feel immensely bad (laughs) about that like it wasn't anything life-threatening you know um they're still able to work all that stuff but it it was more than it ever should have been Mm -hmm. um and i even shared that with like this group of women i was like i'm i'm gonna tell you my flaws in this because yeah like that's the only way to be in this space um and, and that was also intentional so that they could, I told them, feel comfortable asking me the questions. Because sometimes I'm not, I've done this for so long. I don't think about like all the little, like you said, all the little teeny tiny uh-huh. things that I had to learn along the way. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, if you're not feeling comfortable when you walk up to that, like, ask me the question. Mm-hmm. there's no there really is no dumb question like just ask me yeah. the question um and I'll walk you through like why to do it this way or you know maybe do it this way type thing and so I think yeah I mean I learned the hard way and now it's like that's something that's like in my head and so it's mm-hmm. like I always have to stop and be like what are all of the things that I'm doing when I yeah. step up to this um, you know to this equipment Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wish that I hope for you nobody ever gets injured because it's not a Hopefully. fun. <laughs> it's it's definitely been one of the scariest things uh, working with the Nikki, especially when they first started coming to the workshop. It's like I, you know, <laughs> that feeling of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm showing you how to use these tools, and if it goes wrong, like mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm yes. responsible for that. So. Exactly. That's the way, that's the way I felt about it, you know, and uh, yeah. Um. Hey makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, And also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout if you enter the code maker mom you will get a 20 percent discount off any of the merchandise that you buy so that's just toolmomstore.com all right let's head back into the action so it's it's a learning lesson and it will go with me forever <laughs> um, and i think it's good because and then getting practice with these women has made me feel more confident like one of the women brings her um you know, her, I don't know, I guess, I think she might be 12, like 12 year old daughter with her, you know, and, and we're like, okay, you can use the tools too, like, as you're comfortable, 
um, with it, but it's given me more confidence in like, okay, if I'm breaking it down, like all of these steps for the grownups, like that makes me feel confident in being able to do it for a, a younger group of people. Like, yeah. you know, cause otherwise I was always too nervous. Like even with my own kids at home, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The drill is the most uh, powerful thing they've used so far. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's scary. It's daunting. I, I, you know, like I say, I've been here for 10 years in Oaxaca and it's only in the past three years, well, since Nikki started in the mm -hmm. workshop that I had the courage to give workshops. And for the seven years previous to that, all of my friends, they were always like, why don't you give workshops? There's so many women, there's so many women, mm -hmm. people here who want to learn you know, please give us a workshop. And I was just, I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't feel yep. ready for that. I don't feel secure enough in my knowledge and experience. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and, and since I've started, it, it's definitely, it's just, it's been a huge part of the learning curve for me. Yep. And like, that's revising to like, even now, even if I'm not giving it a class and I'm using a tool, I kind of start going through my head of the reasons why I'm doing stuff. And it kind of, it's, it's helping me to revise more like my mm -hmm. own security and why I'm doing something and kind of observe my work in a different way yep. that I wasn't necessarily observing before. Yep, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are the kinds of projects that you two are getting commissioned to do? Oh, um, kind of... I want to say all sorts, but I'm not sure it's all sorts. It's mostly like uh, furniture, tables, maybe like we had some kitchen furniture. Um, we've just had, uh, what do you call it, a desk. And, uh, and the next project is a dining table. Um, so it's a lot of stuff like home furniture, stuff like this. And then we got a lot of smaller commissions like someone who just needs like shelving put up and that kind yep, of thing. Yep. Um, and then occasionally we'll get a larger project commission. <laughs> I maybe fell off my stool. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, mostly kind of like small bits yeah. of furniture here and there. Yeah. Um, Do you think that once the kind of the sh workshop is up and you're starting to get to, you know, teach classes, do you think the commission work will always kind of be a part of the business? Um, I'd like to think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it depends. I, I, I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> right now, you've just opened up a world. One thing I would very much like to be able to do, and I think Nikki shares this feeling, is... Um, we would very much like to be able to work on more individual, more artistic mm. um, projects, which is something that um, I've always struggled with, partly because of motivation and partly just because of economy. And like, if you focus yeah. for a few weeks or a month on your own project, then that's a time that you're not earning. So yeah. It's really hard to find that balance of like, when is the right time? Mm -hmm. But that is something I would love to be able to do at some point. Um, and again, um, 
commission work. I guess if the workshops work, I mean, I, I, I like I like taking on commissions. Really, my personal feeling is I very much enjoy the smaller projects like a desk mm-hmm. or a table. Like I really enjoy making pieces of furniture that I know are going to get like a lot of daily use, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So like a dining table, people are going to eat at that table every day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there's just something about that, like that feeling of like, yeah. Making- thing for someone and they're going to be using it and it's going to get old and rusty and beaten up and I I, I like that feeling there is a part of me that definitely like commissions like that it would be good to to always take on I guess is there a lot of is there a good source of like lumber locally like locally sourced there is okay a lot of locally sourced lumber Okay. Yeah, there's a there's a, a few places. I mean, there's if you go out of the city into uh, what they call the La Sierra, which is the mountainous areas, the communities. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of what would you call it? Like sawmills. Uh, come, uh, come, uh, come on. What uh, sawmills? Sawmills. Sawmills. There's 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 one specific area that they run their own sustainable woodland. Oh. Okay. So, um, so they source a lot of the. the so they're wood. growing. They're growing for the growing trees for the purpose of lumber. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, not far from the city. It's like an hour, two hours drive from the city. What is the what's the the species of of wood available there? What we work with mostly is pine. Okay. Um, just because it again it's the economic yeah like what you can offer to the client is yep. the, the best option is going to be pine um but there are i'm not going to know their names in english but there's <laughs> one, like yeah. um, which is or perota um there are there are other there are other little bit yeah but what we use I, I think i've rarely worked with um any other type of wood Okay. Pine, just because of the the economy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I just I ask because I wasn't sure like what type of you know depending on different areas of the world there's different species of mm-hmm. um, lumber available. So it was just my own my own work, woodworker geek like wanting to know like what kind of wood's available there. <laughs> <laughs> I know I wish I knew more I wish I knew more about the different types of wood available here but again because I don't work with them mm-hmm. um, yeah it's not something that's like accessible to me yeah but um hopefully one day <laughs> <laughs> how about um just the accessibility of like tools um I've had other guests on depending on the part of the world they're in like sometimes you know, what you see on like Instagram being used in the US um, or Europe is like just plain not available in mm-hmm. other parts of the world. So is that an issue there, like getting actual equipment? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, definitely. And just like, again, in the economic sense, like the wage, the wages that we earn here are very small compared to right. what my earn in the states but where we're buying our tools from is from the states so we're buying tools in 
dollars. Yes. <laughs> US dollars and we're earning in Mexican pesos, which is, you know, part of the reason we did the fundraiser. It's just like, I, you know, I've been working before, before working with the Nikki, I was working with a handheld circular saw, um, a little jigsaw, a drill, and like a few hand tools. And I've been working like that for, for several years. Yeah. Just because, yeah, because the availability right. of what you're, you know, what you're earning against what you need to build up your workshop is just the differences. It's so a very yeah, yeah, um, and you know there are, but there there are different tools available. There are different, you know, like if you if you're more DIY, there are like cheaper mm -hmm. um, things available, but they're not as good quality. But yeah, if you want a good quality tool, like a whatever the Walt or whatever, yeah, yeah, you you're paying in dollars, so in US dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and I know as somebody who earns U.S. dollars that that's still really expensive when. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I just had, I, I, I have been without um, a planer for over three years because mm -hmm. I had one that I had bought off of um, somebody's like estate sale, you know, when their husband passed away and like was selling all of his tools. Like I had bought. <laughs> one for a very reasonable price uh -huh. <laughs> off of that but it was it was old and it you know needed work and I didn't put the work into it and so it broke um and so I've been without one for three years and I've been making do where I can mm -hmm. um but I was like waiting I finally just like got like a really you know paid for a really big project and I was like okay this is what this money is going to go to is to buying a new one and I still it's not like I I didn't even buy like a top of the, the line you know mm -hmm. one. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it still was a lot of money um and I'm yeah so I can't imagine <laughs> like I mean, not making U.S. dollars to even yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's always I think yeah it's always going to be a struggle like investing in tools tools are expensive yep clamps man I've been again I've been working with like eight clamps for the past few years and we got and we got the fun the fundraiser and we wanted you know I had this imagination that we were going to be able to buy like tons of clamps and I think we bought like 10 new clamps <laughs> through the fundraiser and you know we bought a ton of other stuff you know like we've been running right. money into other stuff but it is it's just like clamps are so expensive if you want yes. a good clamp you're going to pay like a hundred dollars. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's like for a 24 inch clamp, it's like 36 us dollars. Uh -huh. I'm like, that's more than a dollar like, an inch. <laughs> yeah. And it's so you're like, maybe it's worth it, but yeah, but I need like 10 of those things. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> One's not enough. I need exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I definitely feel you on the plant pain too. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it is one of the, I mean, and you know, it is the joke in the woodworking world of like, you can never have enough clamps. Like uh -huh. that's the one thing you can like continue to buy until the day you die and you still won't uh -huh. have enough. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
I, I have some thoughts in my head that I'll, I'll talk to you about after we're done recording about tools and clamps. Um, but I want to, what do you hope for? You said you were looking at grants and stuff as like other possible ways of mm -hmm. like helping to fund. Um, like what is, what's the dream once you have, you know, a, a fully built, fully stocked workshop? What's kind of the, the dream? Mm, the dream. Mm -hmm. uh, the dream, I guess, would be to be able to offer like, to offer workshops, to offer consistent workshops. Like right now I'm giving, um, like I said, I'm giving a weekly workshop in, in a different space. And I really, you know, like weekend workshops are great as well. Yep. But yep. I really like to be able to, uh, to offer this space of like consistent um, mm -hmm. learning and being able to accompany uh, people in their projects and what they want to build. Um, so that's definitely part of the dream. And I guess ded dedicating more time to art and mm -hmm. building what I really want to build and kind of being able to create more like bespoke pieces yep. of furniture that's definitely definitely part of the dream sure. i hope that i truly hope that happens for you yeah. um, i also understand that struggle too yeah you have to it's take a slow burner but you know you have to take the work that pays um uh -huh. first um but you always need to try to sneak in some work that like feeds your soul just for mm -hmm. <laughs> just for feeding your own creative um absolutely so i want to give you a chance to um let people know like how they can find you guys on instagram and then um if you want to talk a little bit to how how they can find the fundraiser okay um so you can find us on instagram we are polilla.cooperativa um i think you can find us on find us as well on facebook the same name okay. um, but we are kind of more active on Instagram mm -hmm. and on our main page of Polilla Cooperativa there is a link to our fundraiser okay um, excellent that we are using well the the money that was donated in the past year has gone towards um building up our workshop but money donated from now on would go to the next phase of the project which is giving workshops okay awesome um and do you know how much you have left to raise to raise i think we asked for like seven grand seven thousand british pounds okay i think we made it about halfway um okay. so that, which is amazing like mm -hmm. really i'm very grateful uh for everything we've achieved if i look back on where we were a year ago and where we are now it's incredible mm -hmm. um but we are about halfway i think the fundraising page doesn't reflect the full amount that we received because we did receive a few okay. direct donations so yeah it's about halfway okay yeah excellent um well thanks for taking the time to chat with me this morning oh, thank you thank you for asking us yes it's, it's been a pleasure i've followed yeah. you guys for a little while now so um, i'm glad we finally made this work <laughs> yeah no thank you thank you so much mm -hmm.
All right, so again, that was Rosia Polia Cooperative. I include the links on how you can follow along with them on Instagram, as well as a link to help support and get the cooperative going. You can find those in the show notes and the best places to find that is in the description for the episode on your podcast app. If you're watching this on the Freeman Furnishings YouTube channel, check the description box down below. Or you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast and find the show notes for today's episode as well as all the past episodes. Be sure to follow along with the podcast on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution. And the link in the bio there will give you a perfect place on finding out how you can support the podcast if you are enjoying it. There's a link that goes straight to Patreon, which is a monthly ongoing uh, donation for the podcast and then there is a link that will take you where you can donate just a one-time donation and if you can't support the podcast uh monetarily but still want to show some love as always please share about the podcast at crafting revolution all across instagram while you're there you can come say hey to me katie freeman at freeman furnishings or you can say hi to the co-host Katie Thompson over at Women of Woodworking or Pen and Chisel, either one of those, both passion projects for her. So go uh, over there and say hi. This is one of two new episodes for the week. Uh, so we have one more coming at you at the end of the week. In the meantime, as always, let's go craft a revolution. She, her, they, they got something they want to say. Solution for the toxic masculinity is pollution.